Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. It's tempting to veto, and I kind of think this might be one of the least worst Laloxana episodes. And maybe there are dragons in the direction that we're heading that I need to save my weapons for. There is no greater dragon than Laxana Troy, though. I don't know if I agree with that, Adam. And this is a sure thing, Ben. It's a sure thing. I need to do the responsible thing here, Ben, and veto the episode. No! This is a fully authenticated emergency action message. Adam, you're such an idiot. <laughs> there is a Laxana ready to fire her missiles at us. I do not concur, sir. I do not concur. Counter veto. I should have known we would never get to use one of these. I'm the commander of this fucking ship, Ben. And now, the conclusion. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, the Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm standing up right now, Ben. (laughs) Got a stand-up desk. Oh, you're one of those? Stand and deliver pod. I can't believe I'm in the middle of season seven and I'm just finding this out. I feel so violated. (laughs) I bet you have finger shoes, finger toe shoes also. You have an image of me at hard at work, <laughs> uh, just chillaxed and hunched over. <laughs> I have That's an how image. you get a back injury to desk job, Ben. You got to stand up. Now I'm picturing you with jean shorts, finger toe shoes, standing desk, and one of those uh, one of those razor scooters. Probably a vape pen too. Ben, I'm insulted that you would <laughs> think that. Of that list of items, I would own a pair of jean shorts. How dare you? <laughs> do not own any jean shorts, Ben, do you? No, I don't. You know what a hot move is? Is getting linen pants from the sale rack of your favorite store. Like, I'm talking like $10 pants. <laughs> and then and then having them hemmed into shorts. Having them that. hemmed? Hem your, own, yeah. hem your own short, Adam. Really? A hem stitch is Don't, the easiest stitch. Fuck you, man. You're, <laughs> you're such a bastard, like, hem shaming me. I'm, I will happily hem shame anybody who doesn't hem their own shit. Oh, anybody no, can learn a hem stitch. Watch a two-minute YouTube video. You don't need to pay the guy $15 to do it. And furthermore, I, don't buy $10 pants. Those pants are made by slave labor. No, I'm talking about uh, pants that were originally $200 in the like deep deep sale rack because uh-huh. they're like because they're like 3240 or something. <laughs> like they're of a they're of a length that no one would ever buy. And those are the perfect ones to make shorts out of. All right, I see the logic in that. God, I'm still reeling from the from the hem shaming. <laughs> I thought I was doing the right thing, and now it turns out I've been wrong the whole time. Here, here's what I'll say, Adam. There's there's a way you can wiggle out of this. Is if you want a if you want a hem where you can see the seam. I think I'm a hem. Yeah. Sweet. And you don't have a sewing machine. I can see taking that into somebody, but. Of course I don't have a sewing machine. Yeah, if you if you're just hemming like uh if you're just making an invisible hem, like anybody can do this. Even I can. <laughs> you are such a dandy. <laughs> I'm going to bring you my pants to turn into shorts. I'm going to turn this into a business arrangement. <laughs> Fuck you. You see, you get me cornered, and I just need to lash out. I need to punch back. Makes me sad, Ben. Speaking of grief, well, this episode is about addressing grief, isn't it? I, I guess it is. I guess I'm kind of grieving this Marin. Like, we had so. We, we started the show with a blank slate, a tabula rasa, if you will. We could have done anything with this Marin open, and instead, this is what we did. 
Do you want to start over? Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. <laughs> Let's just fucking we, review the show. <laughs> fine. It's season seven. Episode seven. Dark page. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. It's a Lavoxana episode, Adam. You tell me this episode isn't about grief. It is entirely about grief. I didn't disagree with you. It's about grief. Are we mad at each other because we mutually assured vetoed each other? Is that what's going on here? We're just, we haven't addressed it, really. The post-veto, veto reversal episodes are always a bit angsty. Yeah. We are also, like, we're recording this episode weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of when it will come out. And uh, I can only imagine the shitstorm that we've stirred up online with our seven consecutive seasons of fucking the veto up. I'm really looking forward to not paying attention to any of those threads, <laughs> as I always do. You cannot hurt me! I do a fair amount of reading about how our viewers feel about our program, but if it... Uh, if any of those threads question our motivations, I'm not having it. I know what my <laughs> motivations are. They are true and honorable. I'll believe it when I see it, Adam. <laughs> this episode is one of many Lwaxana episodes that starts with a bit o comedy about how annoying Lwaxana is. Which is, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but like if you're in the writer's room and you're writing this scene about how annoying it is, like are they are they kind of making fun of Majel Barrett? See, that's what I was wondering. Like at what point is your character the butt of the same joke so long that you think that you're being typecast? Yeah, I mean, she's kind of laughing all the way to the bank, right? Because she keeps getting these episodes and keeps getting them in Deep Space Nine, too. Yeah, she got an action figure. I have mine right here. She's legit. So the Waxana's rapping with Picard about these new aliens, these Cairns. These Cairns, up until now, only spoke telepathically. Loxana's rapping with Picard about how If two Karen were having this conversation It would have been over minutes ago Really? They couldn't communicate with anyone who is non-telepathic So that's why I'm here, I got a new job It's great got It's kind of job as, a, as sort of a, uh, a translator It's a bit of a payoff of the idea of the Darmok episode They had right. They could tell that everybody was flying around the galaxy doing doing intelligence but they could not crack the code of how to communicate with them that's what the darmok episode needed just a a thick spread of loxana (laughs) (laughs) so that when you squeeze the episode halves together the loxana just shoots out the sides Mm, gross (laughs) loxana is really the tartar sauce of star trek the next generation characters Mm. You know, in Canada, they dip their fries in Luxana. <laughs> yeah, but it only counts if you're, like, drunk, right? Yeah. And Picard's like, great, that's so interesting. Awesome. I would rather talk to someone who has a feeble grasp of my language than talk to you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he does that thing, like, when you're stuck talking to someone at a party. He's like, oh, oh I see someone that I want to talk to over there. I got to go organize my sock drawer uh, on the other side of the room. Yeah. And then Picard is introduced to Mock and his daughter, who is played by Kirsten Dunst. How do you pronounce this guy's name? McQuiss? McQuiss? I almost want to boot up the episode to get this right. I'm going to listen to it in the episode while we're sitting here. You, You vamp for a second. Oh, shit. I'm going to play. I'm like right queued up to when Loxana walks up to him. Mayquise, this is the beautiful daughter I've been telling you about, Deanna. Mayquise. Mayquise? Mayquise. Mayquise? Why don't you Mayquise like a tree (laughs) and introduce me to your daughter, Kirsten Dunst? I'm going to go ahead and say, Adam, 
I regret not allowing your veto to go through. Exactly. (laughs) I feel like we could do this episode in 10 minutes. This was a classic case of, I've got a slug line for a story and not much else. Let's pad this fucker. Let's pad it so hard. It's a slug line and it's also just like, okay, what was the premise of the last episode? Bad dreams causing problems for everybody? All right. Well, let's just do that again. And then let's bring a guy that looks like very much like the guy that was doing the raping in the other episode (laughs) where Luoxana is a like a guy who is who is played for how dangerous he may be because he looks so much like that guy. He's got telepathic rape face. Exactly. And he's he's played for that. Like we suspect him all the way up to the middle bit bit of the episode where Troy wakes up in Six Bay and sees him like leering at her mother in the dark. He's got a face that looks like a murder weapon. Yeah. When I meet a guy like this in in real life, I like stand in between him and my wife, you know? Yeah. Got to keep an eye on this guy. Yeah. Also, his daughter is Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> Did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do, actually. God, we should just fucking kill this episode. Let's go hard on this episode. What do you say? Here's here's what I'm going to suggest, Adam. I'm going to pause the playback right now. I'm already like two sips into a beer, but I'm going to go down and get the rest of the six-pack. All right, I'm going to load up, too. I don't have a shoot to be today. <laughs> All right, I'll be right back. Ben, this is one of the best ideas you've ever had. I had to get drunk for this episode. I got uh, two beers on the table and uh, a few more close by. Okay, I love it. Um, I only I ran downstairs. I only had three beers in the house, including the one I'm already into. So I may need to switch to harder stuff if uh, <laughs> if. Uh, if I drink at the rate I predict that I will. Did you hear the Jordan Jesse Go episode where the guest was talking about what I had known before then as the Century Club, but he had talked like 60 and 60, like 60 shots of beer in 60 minutes? Oh, Power Hour. The Power Hour. Century yeah. Club is 100 shots of beer in 100 minutes. A Power Hour is 60 and 60. I have only ever done the Century Club. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I don't fuck around with a Power Hour. I, uh, I've done the power hour twice, both in oh. college. The first, you didn't learn the first time. The first time I did it, we were watching 24, which was a great TV show to watch while you do the power hour. Yep. Yep. Uh, the second, and, and we did it with like, with like Natty Light or something, yeah. which, which is not good beer, but it's the, it's the right beer to do that type of project with. Because the second time <laughs> I did it with the, short-lived Budweiser energy drink beer, B to the E. Oh, no. Do you remember that product? Were you, were you guys a test market for that? It was heavily marketed in New York City, and New York City's not typically a test market as far as I know. Uh, but Did you drink this beverage in a room with a, a two-way mirror? <laughs> <laughs> we want to and see And a guy with this... a clipboard watching you? Yeah, if this is a power hour enhancement beverage or what? But uh, <laughs> man, we were like 30 shots in and we were like, this is a bad idea. Your pupils are like giant. <laughs> they've, they've, my pupils are bigger than my face. <laughs> Oh no! So you you uh, you got a DNF on that one on that power hour. That uh, that second power hour, yeah, stopped before before it really started. Ooh! The one and only time I did the Century Club, I took my last eight shots over the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> a toilet that I was carried to. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's... you know, you get that far, you have to complete, Ben. You have to complete, and also. You can't walk yourself to the toilet. You're too busy doing shots. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh boy. Well, let's 
let's make the deal. Let's not power hour this episode, Ben, but let's let's make the deal between you and me to just drink as fast as possible. I I concur. The counselor's mom is not looking great in this episode. She's like she's they've uh, penciled in. You need dark... to be more specific, Ben. Oh, Luoxana. <laughs> no, about not looking great. See, that's mean. I'm. I already turned mean. I'm a mean drinker. Um, she's got like dark circles drawn under her eyes. She's she's not her normal booby self. She's wearing very very conservative clothing. That even gets commented on. There's a real lack of décolletage here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to get that décolletage out. When uh, is that the right way to say that word? Uh, I'm assuming it's a it's from the French, and uh, they would pronounce it décolletage. Of course, they would. You say decamato. <laughs> I say decamato. Let's call the whole thing off, Adam. Uh huh. She's exhausted because she has done the amazing feat of learning how to communicate with these people. They have a telepathic mode of communication and communicate entirely in imagery, which uh, is not the way Betazoids do their telepathy. But the Cairn have put on like little voice boxes and are learning to talk out loud like the rest of the Federation. And I guess they're under consideration for being uh, admitted to the Federation. You see a little bit later, like the effect, like the difference between being a Betazoid that that ingests telepathy verbally versus the way that, that the Cairn do it. And it's like... You get to drink from the fire hose! It's like when, when Bill Pullman goes and, uh, goes and has his powwow with the captured alien in Independence Day. He sees the whole thing. Yeah, I've seen it all. <laughs> They're a little weirded out by the fact that when they talk to Luoxana, they don't see all of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something mysterious about this woman. Can't quite put my finger on it. Or in it. Or in it. Because it's a black hole in, uh, in his description. And Troy's like, oh, that's just shit she doesn't want you to know about. She's a private person. Yeah, I mean, she will never shut up in any situation ever, but even she has some things she keeps to herself. But that's just the thing. I mean, like, I feel like this is such a blatant retcon of the way Betazoids are supposed to be, right? Like, wasn't there a whole episode where she was, like, shocked and appalled at how people kept secrets from each other on The Entrepreneur? Yeah. So now she's a super private person who keeps secrets shoved down deep? Look, I think <laughs> we know from a couple episodes ago that uh, the producers of the show have given up at this point. <laughs> it's over for them. They're just... They've, they've got scripts and they're just cramming them into a meat grinder <laughs> and then like... <laughs> Like, script meat is coming out the bottom, and they're just, like, turning that into cash. They're like, look, we've just got to shit out 20 more episodes of this show, and then we can all retire. <laughs> That's all we have to do, just 20 more. <laughs> a, a number of episodes per season that will be the standard forever. <laughs> no one will ever do fewer than 26. No one will ever question the wisdom of spending this much time and money <laughs> when you don't have as many good ideas as the number of episodes you have to deliver. We get, speaking of, of cost savings, we get a couple of scenes in the Arboretum, a place that we have seen a little bit before. But Ben, I've seen better Arboretums in the lobby of a courtyard by Marriott. Oh! Like, what? Courtyard by Marriott <laughs> presenting this episode. <laughs> There's a freebie courtyard. Yeah. Courtyard by Marriott is the uh is the inexpensive millennial version of Marriott. It's not even the nice Marriott. 
Ben, we're made to believe that people go on dates in the Arboretum. They go for walks throughout the Arboretum. <laughs> ben, is that walk just like 30 feet in, in <laughs> circumference, basically? Is that is that what it takes to circumnavigate that, the Arboretum? I think when Keiko was on board, the implication was that there was like a much bigger space with like trees and shit that they just never panned over to. Uh, but they don't, they, they've... They've despaired of of implying that here. It's just, it's just a room with grass instead of carpet. They they certainly have despaired. Abandon all hope. All, <laughs> all, all you enter here. here enter the arboretum. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst seems to like it. I kept on hoping for koi in this pond. I love a koi pond seems to be just a standard pond just a tepid pool <laughs> basically a uh, a drowning danger to anyone who plays there i think the existence of the arboretum proves one thing and that is it must be wildly difficult to get holodeck time on this ship because <laughs> if you could there'd be no need for this basement with with ferns in it <laughs> this arboretum is scarcely better than the fucking room with the screen that sh- shows a, an image of a forest that Ripley goes to. <laughs> There's two kids playing in this Arboretum, and one of them is definitely wearing the same costume as the older girl in the episode where Picard and the and the three children have to, like, crawl around in the Jeffries tubes. Oh, right. Was that disaster? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll always remember the the episode titled Disaster as the one where Troy's captain. <laughs> um unmistakable same costume. Yeah. Actually the 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 little boy might be wearing Jay Gordon's costume. So uh put that in your pipe and smoke it. They burned all the cash on the arboretum set. <laughs> that sweet sweet arboretum set where they got half as many ferns as they usually do from the ace garden center they should have holodecked this i don't understand its existence (laughs) i mean here's the thing adam like how expensive would it have been to get like a 30 foot by 30 foot flat and go into an actual forest and put the flat up and just have that be the wall that they come through i thought the same thing I also thought, I wonder if all the good plants died when Keiko left. Like maybe <laughs> maybe she was really important to the upkeep of the Arboretum. And now that she's gone, it's just a garbage pile. Well, one thing that's garbage is the rocks around the little water feature, because Kirsten Dunst is walking around them. One of the rocks gets loose. She falls in the drink. Everybody's having a laugh, and then they realize that Loaxana has also fallen. Mother! And she can't get up. <laughs> they wheel her into Six Bay, and they're doing an exam on her. And I believe Dr. Crusher says, It's almost as if her brain has shut itself down. <laughs> Much like I felt watching this episode, Ben. Were you up on the late night watching this? I was indeed. <laughs> There's something kind of soul-crushing about turning your favorite TV show into work. And then having to having to cram for your podcast the next day. Most of the time, this is ninety percent fun. <laughs> Occasionally, when you're trying to cram episode production ahead of a tour, like the way we're doing, it, it's more task based. Yeah, I say as I'm almost done with my first beer. Oh, I'm into my second, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's almost as if her brain has shut itself down. And basically what she's described is a Luaxana Troy in a persistent vegetative state, but the only part of her brain still active is the weird betazoid part. That's the only reason they're they're not contemplating and unplugging. Just flushing her out the airlock? Yeah. I lost my father a long time ago, but I lost my mother in a way that didn't leave me feeling very much closure. It's not so much that she died, but that she slipped away slowly. I threw throwing star after throwing star at the body of my mother. (laughs) 
There was nothing on my belt that could help her. <laughs> There's no grappling hook strong enough to pull someone back from an abyss like that. <laughs> Uh, curiously absent from this scene is one Jean-Luc Picard, uh, who I think can't be bothered with the idea of Waxana's death. <laughs> yeah, he's I in think his he... he's in his condo playing the flute, but like playing uh, playing tunes that are a little happier than you might expect. Never took one lesson. <laughs> uh, he does help uh, Troy kind of put the screws to. Mequis? Mequis? Maquez? Mequis? <laughs> Did they. With an apostrophe? Were they gonna write Maquis? Mequis? Like the terrorists? And then. and then Did they just recycle his name for the terrorists? God, I don't know. You just read his name! How did we forget it already? Who fucking cares about this guy's name? Mequis? What's. <laughs> What's up with his templar loaf? Yeah, they all have big, uh, big ass temple loaf. It's gotta be hard to get a good haircut when your head's shaped like that. You basically can only get the Dick Tracy flat top cut. I feel like this is an alien species that needs to convert to Christianity. <laughs> they need Jesus to come clean out the temple. Uh. <laughs> You know what's great about that joke, Ben, is that anyone who would have heard it has already shut off the pod by now. <laughs> it's just us now, Ben. It's you and me. And maybe maybe this is appropriate. Maybe this is how we should end our show. Mm. Not with a bang, but with a fart. Ooh. All right. <laughs> what are you drinking today, buddy? I am drinking Fremont Summer Ale. Mm. Uh, it's an American pale ale. Yeah. It is delicious. It is... Daniel from Maximum Fun shouted us out a while ago for coining the term porch beer. Porch beer. And this is a little meatier than what I would consider a porch beer. A little too much flavor for porch use, but still very good. Very toothsome, as a beer goes. Sure. I'm drinking a beer from Six Point Brewery called The Jammer. <laughs> and uh, it's like a... Are you are you down with these Goza beers that all the kids are drinking, Adam? Are those like, like pot sticker beers? They're like a, a sour, like a German-style sour. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do like them. You know what? I like them when I'm out, but I have not bought any for home consumption. These have a, a bit of coriander and, and salt in them, so they kind of taste a bit like a, a chilada. Like they got oh. a little a little, uh, little chilada thing going. A little lower Could alcohol. I think, I think you would find this to be a totally acceptable porch beer if I, uh, if I had to put money on it. The defining characteristic of a porch beer is the ability to slam like six of them, and anything with a with a pronounced flavor like that, anything that veers toward Chilada Town, I feel like uh, that would get pretty old after two. Is that not the case? You'll have uh, to let me know after four, which <laughs> will happen in about ten minutes for you. It is a guiding principle of a soft beating face. Have you got find it within yourself? They've got Temple Loaf guy in here. And uh, speaking of jamming, he uh, <laughs> he beams his thoughts into Troy's head. And uh, and like maybe more than any other scene, this is the one where we are concerned that it may be going in the direction of the most upsetting episode of Trek. Yeah, I mean, Troy is almost blown back in her seat like fingernails in the conference room table. Yeah. Style, like, taking it from this guy. It's like the Maxell tape ad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it goes on, lo like, like you think that Picard should have probably hit him over the back of the head with a chair to stop him. 
Yeah, like a wild, rabid dog who has sunk his teeth into a leg. Like, you gotta do anything you can to get those jaws open. It'd be like if you're sitting in a room with two people, and one of them casually takes out a hand drill and just sticks it into the other person's leg and starts drilling, and you just, like, waited a good three, four, five Mississippi before you told them to stop. Stop it. Like, the timing in this scene is super weird. It could also be, like, the sort of surprise panic that always slows things down for a decision maker. Like, Mm. I could see being a little bit uh, detached and weirded out by the scene before, like, sort of snapping out of it and and then throwing that chair, as you've suggested. Right. So what they get from this is that it's not that... Loxana just had some private thoughts, but that there's something like eating her inside. There's some part of her psyche that is unwell. I mean, the exposition that we get for this is like there's something about the Betazoid psyche that will sort of eat itself out of self-preservation, right? Like there's something destructive happening to her mind. It isn't just a firewall. Like it's being damaged. Yeah, her psyche stepped in a bear trap and it is now chewing its own leg off right the plan that gets proposed to fix this is like plugging deanna's mind into mckez and then <laughs> plugging mckez into loxana it's the like, exact same like plan you, as the last episode it's it's let's go into yeah. the dream and solve the problem from in there yeah it's like jump starting a mind car <laughs> You got the cables all willy nilly. You gotta you gotta put your clamp, your black clamp, and then your red clamp. Yeah, that's what it's like, Adam. <laughs> yeah. So Troy gets to walk around another dreamscape, much like Picard and Jordy got to. The only difference is the lighting is a bit different this time. They're like, we got this wide ass lens. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to return it until tomorrow. So let's write another dream sequence. What do you say? Yeah. This time, like. You could make the case that this dream is more out there than Data's dream because there are things like uh, hallways to nowhere and condos that lead to Troy as a baby. That fucking wolf, too. There's some wolf times with a real wolf. Yeah. Have you ever been in the presence? I have not been in the presence of a wolf. Uh, I went to kind of a a hippy-dippy high school and my... Uh, one of our morning meetings one morning, they had like some wolf conservationists come to talk to us about the importance of wolf conservation, and they brought a wolf. Oh my god, wolves are scary, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like it was a one wolf in a room of like, you know, three hundred and fifty kids and teachers, and it was terrifying to be in a room with a wolf. They've got kind of stiltsy legs. Yeah. And their eyes are really slitty. It's like seeing a gun, you know? You're like, that thing is there for killing me with. Like, that's all it's there for. I read in the show notes for this that no one wanted to be around the wolf. And the wolf was actually uh, screened and comped in. Like, when, uh, when Kirsten Dunst pets the wolf later, she's petting a stump. Whoa. Comping the wolf afterwards. They did a good job like, with that comp. The wolf terrorized everyone. Wolves are scary as fuck, and they're like not that trainable, <clears throat> you know. They're that sort of animal that's too smart for training. They're they're not domesticated, and if they were, they wouldn't look like a wolf. Yeah. So yeah. Troy sees her dad. All of the shit going on this first time she's in the dream is like the wolf and the dad and Picard all trying to like stop her finding her mom it's sort of like the haunted house trope of when the kids are getting close to the answer of the mystery loxana's mind is doing everything it can to get troy out of here to distract it with something yeah like break her down in a way and uh teasing her with her dad is like especially cruel deanna daddy because her dad died when when troy was very young it's that thing that can happen when you get in a fight with a, a very dear loved one is that you know where all of their all of their soft spots are. I'm sorry I had to go away when you were so little. Don't do this. 
And that can, like, if you can't control yourself, that that can be a bad, bad thing. Who knows where you are the most sensitive more than your mother? Yeah, don't get in a fight with your mom, jerks. Yeah. It's like, uh, don't pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. Or your mom. (laughs) That's the saying. (laughs) So the thing that Waxana is suffering from has to do with some trauma but they can't figure out like what trauma she could be dealing with. And Picard and Troy, Picard is like really the buddy cop in this, in this episode. It's a Troy episode with Picard buddy copping the entire time. Like is Worf even in this? God, I don't know. Oh, he's in the party at the beginning. He has even less shit to do in this episode than he did in the last one. He's really taken some time off. <laughs> I think he's considering that offer from Deep Space Nine. Michael Dorn is like, hey, guys, I'm fine with coming in and standing around and not saying anything, but can I not be a Klingon for this episode? Here's the thing. I'm getting paid so little, there better be food on set for me to eat. So I only want to participate in buffet scenes and scenes where there are sheet cakes. That's really been his deal. There's been a lot of of craft service, like on-camera craft service this season. Party Wharf. Yeah. They find the Waxana's journal, which she's kept for decades. There's a seven-year gap. Hand-deleted by the Waxana herself. And they're like, that's got to be it. And it's like right around when Troy was born that this, this, uh, this block, this missing block ends. My mother's so diligent about her journal. Why would she have stopped making entries for so long? We go into this second uh, Inception dive, and uh, this is the one where Troy like walks down a hallway and the doors open, and there's just space on the other side, and she like jumps out. One of the best images this show has ever done. A shame to use it on this episode. She did the whole stunt person jumps into an air mattress thing. Like that was totally practical. It looks. I great. mean not. Not jumping into space. That part was an effect. I'm not sure if he knew that. But, uh, yeah, she actually jumped off of a deck into a thing. Wait, so they didn't actually go to outer space to shoot that scene? Not to my knowledge, Hmm. no. Well, that's a little disappointing. Yeah. She She did not break her coccyx on the fall, though. (laughs) They wake up in the dream life. I feel like that's a product that that we could have. The 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 Marina Sirtis Coccyx Donut. <laughs> that's a bit of merch I'll have signed at the next convention. <coughs> my, my, my love is a She arrives after she jumps out of the ship in the dreamscape arboretum and there is Luoxana who is having a meltdown and what is revealed here is that Luoxana and what was her what was her dad's name? Mercury's? Turns out Luoxana and her human husband used to have another daughter and this other daughter died chasing her dog in a park when she was seven years old and when Deanna was just a baby. Little Kestra. And Loxana has, like, gone through her life just suppressing this and not dealing with the fact that she lost a child. And uh, once again, Rachel Barrett is given a colossal task in, in terms of how, how do you perform this scene and uh, I don't know, what, did you, what was your review of her performance? I honestly think that this was the best Major Barrett performance that we've seen on the show. I found her emotions very real feeling and affecting. I agree. I think that I'm really biased against her. Like, she comes into these things with a big handicap. Mm-hmm. because I've seen the other times. And I think she 
she kind of redeemed her skill. At, like, she's always given this scene. Every single time she comes on the show, she's given this scene where she has some, like, really major emotional shit she needs to deal with. And this is, like, the only time I can think of where I thought it was actually good. I think credit where credit is due, she had to emote something awful, and I found her performance utterly believable and and great. And I felt for her. Like, you know, the magic trick of making you feel sorry for someone that you don't like right. is a greater effort than feeling bad for someone who you have neutral feelings about or or even like. So to conjure that, I thought, was was a great success. I also thought this scene was successful because they have this little girl cast that is like the one is the is Kestra the the girl that mm-hmm. um Kirsten Dunst is uh, reminding her of really nice casting because it's like you see the resemblance but it's it, it also looks like it could plausibly be like a yeah a relative of Deanna Troy that's a tough needle to thread we are uh, we're lavishing a lot of praise on Majel Barrett but I think I think we should also call attention to Marina Sirtis here too, who is not in full breakdown, but upon having the realization that she had a sister that she never knew who died when she was an infant, uh, she delivers her own very powerful performance around, around that knowledge as well. It's just amazing that this fucking three ring circus of an episode culminates in this kind of a scene. There's three good minutes in this episode, and these are them. I wonder how much they talked about the proportionality of the breakdown, because you can't have Deanna and Waxana break down in equal measure. Like, like you've now, got if it. you're designing an emotional scene, you're going to need to consider the proportionality of the emotional breakdown on either side of the triangle. I like using a protractor to determine the proper angle of the tears. <laughs> that way, you can set down a bucket to catch all the associated moisture. This character we've got doing a full-blown ugly cry, and that, therefore, we've decided to make this other character contain herself a little bit, but still reveal some vulnerability. I like to put down a couple of bags of silica gel. That way, you keep the humidity down on the location. <laughs> it's just a great product. It's available at your local hardware store. <laughs> you know where they make that silica gel? No. Desica 6. Yep. <laughs> That's the callback everyone was going for. Yeah, they were like, remind me of a throwaway joke from three or four episodes ago, please. Ben, you know that the wolf in this episode, his name was Buck. <laughs> his brother was named Teddy. These are the wolves from Dances with Wolves who played two socks. These are star Damn. wolves. Buck Wolf was also my porn name in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. The button on the episode is uh, is the slow pull reveal of of Waxana and Troy holding hands in side by side six bay cots. The feeling is that Waxana is going to get out of this. The mental mission is successful, and the the truth has been revealed. They look at like a picture of Kestra together, and. Uh... They're gonna like sort through all the fifis. Yeah, there's the there's the the family that you present to the world, but then there's the the true family. There's the dark shit that your parents hide that I think is more common than people think. And this episode was a way to consider that. That's true. At least it had that going for it. Did you like this episode? I can't say I like the episode. I was very relieved that it didn't wind up being a rape episode. Yeah. Because it really, like, 
like literally until like the halfway mark, I was so worried about that. And, uh, you know, I do think it has that good handful of minutes at the end, but, uh, I think largely it's kind of, kind of a catastrophe. It's so frustrating to watch this show stagger to the conclusion because you know, there is a great finale coming. Like, it becomes even more of a mystery as to how they were able to make a great finale during this season when episode after episode, it is clearly uh, playing out the string. <laughs> it's weird. I hope if we're not bumming everybody out with our feeling down on it this season. I, I think there's still too. some good episodes. Yeah, there are. I am definitely looking forward to a few that I can think of. But yeah, uh, this is not one of them. <laughs> Let's check those P1s, Ben. Let's check them shits. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, we've got a personal priority one message here from Conan. In parentheses, the guy who sucks, plus I got depression. (laughs) And it is for all chochachos, both near and far. Message goes oh. like this. This message is probably reaching y'all after Chochachacon 2017. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we were able to get real nice on much crispy Stellas and bless the reins together once again. Hell of such as meow to the cho who turned me onto the pod. And thanks to Adam and Ben for providing an excellent momentary distraction on the road to the grave. I think I got through that line read perfectly. I read it and then I reread it and I was like, no, that was right. <laughs> Hell of such as meow to the show. Yeah. Got it right. Well, Conan, it sounds like things are getting better for you. I, I certainly hope they are. And I do in large part to all the chochachos out there. Yeah. What's a chochacho? Uh, I believe it is a friend that you share nachos with. Oh. Not to be confused with someone you share chicharrones with, which is a cho chicharroncho. <laughs> no? No. That was a that was a beer joke, Ben. I'm blaming that one on the beers. Yeah. That's uh that's the beer's fault. Adam, our second priority one message here is a personal message from Ryan. It's for Daniel. Goes like this. My dear friend Daniel, this message represents another 100 American dollars that I did not spend on your wedding gift. Mm. Is this the last Jumbotron message I bought you? Who knows? Enjoy wondering when, where, or if the next one will come. <laughs> Ryan, I'm so sorry that no one stuck around long enough to listen to this. <laughs> it's really a shame. It's all our fault. Uh, we thank you nonetheless. Well, our thanks to everybody who sent a Priority One message. If you'd like to send a Priority One message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and $200 for a commercial message. And it's just a great way to support the proceedings of this Ahir podcast. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? In an episode that may be a Shimoda itself, (laughs) did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I did. I'm going to give my Shimoda to the props department on this episode uh if you go to 16 minutes and five seconds you can see what i'm talking about here this is an episode where they didn't they clearly didn't spend much money on anything but they definitely spent like 250 dollars on a fucking horn of plenty of like persimmons and cactuses and eggplants and shit on this plate. 1605? 1605. Um, it's just like the room that M- Maquise is in. Maquise? Uh-huh. 
I find, and and they and they do this shot where the camera like <laughs> s- swings around as as Picard and Troy and Maquis are talking, and there's just this unbelievably conspicuous plate of vegetables and fruit in the middle of the table. I found it's it, the most lit thing in the entire scene. It's very distracting. It's uh it's very weird looking and very unusual for Star Trek, I think. That glass coffee table looks like it's on top of a base of cinder blocks. Yeah, it kind of does. And there's some sunflowers in the back. The fuck is going on in this scene? <laughs> I sort of admire the attention to set dressing here because there is so little attention paid to anything else. Yeah, they're clearly like, well, fuck it. We don't have much to work with, but we're going to have some fun. Are those just extremely long, futuristic green beans? I think they are extremely long green beans. It's a horn of plenty without the horn. (laughs) All plenty, no horn. Sad. This episode's terrible, Ben. I I don't have a Shimoda. I abstained. Like, there there was so little that was fun or funny about it. You're hornless of plenty is great i would i would piggyback onto this oh well but i'm I'm quite welcome to adam i might go just more broadly in a in a what were they thinking kind of way the attention that they paid to things like the vegetable platter in this in this condo and the the attention they didn't pay to things like story the the arboretum arboretum. (laughs) yeah boy that arboretum like presumably the same people were in charge of the vegetable platter and the arboretum right i love the idea that they gave the arboretum to the intern and uh and the full timer was in charge of the of the horn of green beans yeah that is not a good delegation of roles there and uh i was inspired to just maybe fuck off with my shimoda so so there A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. 
We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up for the next episode, Ben? The next episode is Season 7, Episode 8, Attached, Imprisoned, and Telepathically Joined by an Alien Race. Picard and Beverly are forced to face the feelings they have always had for each other. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I do remember this episode, Ben. It's uh, it's as close as we get to a real Picard-Beverly love fest, which is to say, not that close. <laughs> yeah, they play a mental game of just the tip, don't they? <laughs> uh well, once again, we find ourselves early in a season with no vetoes left to talk about. Maybe we should never talk about vetoes ever again, Adam. I think that's super fair. With all of the vetoes in the rearview mirror, no need to bring them up. I think we've done a great job these seven seasons in our use of the veto. <laughs> Our use and counter use of a weapon we never should have been trusted with. That's the uh, that's the logic of a very drunk man, Adam. It's very true. The most logical thing to do right now would be to thank any viewers who stuck around this long. <laughs> in in both the totality of our show, but also this episode specifically. Uh. If for whatever reason you decide to support our show, uh, there are ways you can do that. Uh, supporting our show unlocks some benefits to the supporters, Ben. That's true. Uh, by supporting our show at MaximumFun.org slash donate, you unlock our special Crimson Tide episode and a live episode that we recorded while out on tour. Yeah, and uh, I mean, chances are pretty good that that's going to start having more bonus episodes in it. Uh, sooner rather than later, right? I would understand if after this episode you were interested in in retracting support for the show, financial <laughs> or otherwise. I understand. I would ask you, fair viewer, to hang on just a little while longer. I think it's going to get better again. It gets better. It's <laughs> a uh, good appropriation of that very well-meaning... <laughs> Effort to prevent suicide in the LGBT community. Boy, you like, you know, like there's there's dumping cold water on a joke. Like my cold my cold water was on like the dunk tank seat. I blasted and then it you with like, that with that cryogenic shit that they use to freeze warts off. You you ran up and slammed the button and, and dumped it into the cold water. You couldn't be bothered with the softballs, man. Well done. Way to know you asshole me. I didn't just dump cold water on a joke. I dumped all cold water everywhere on all jokes, Captain Picard. <laughs> Rashawn was not a fan of humor. (laughs) 
Irish wish in an entirely joke-free household. <laughs> we ask you to take your shoes and your jokes off and leave them in the mud room. <laughs> our thanks to Dark Materia for our theme music, Adam Ragusea for our supplemental music. You can find us, if you choose to, on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at CupForTime. Ben is on there as at Benjamin R A H R. We've got Facebook pages, groups. We have Reddit pages. We have merch. We have a tour that we're about to go out on. It's all happening, Ben. It's all happening. Would you believe this is a real and legitimate podcast program? (laughs) With all of the accoutrements. It's possible. Well, with that... We'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation in which Ben and I will be too scared to tell each other that we love the other person. I used to have a job on this show. I guess I don't now. <laughs> First time for everything. Does it make you feel any better that I did so bad? <laughs> no. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.